Well, we have a lot going on in this service, don't we? We Americans love busy, right? We love being busy. We love acting busy. We love looking busy. We feel restless if we're not busy. But you know, we may not be as productive as we think we are. According to one study, uh, when business teams worked 60 hours a week, by the time that they had done it for eight consecutive 60-hour weeks, the drop in productivity was so great, the average team would have gotten just as much done as if they had worked 40-hour weeks all along. Doesn't that just warp your brain? And the teams that, that, uh, that worked more than 60 hours, they reached that break-even point even sooner. Years ago, my friend Bob was a bright young pastor. He loved the Lord. He was a gifted leader and a very good preacher. Bob also pioneered a one-day Christian music festival held at a church camp near Milford, Nebraska. It took an incredible amount of organization and a lot of people to pull it off. Um, it was a, a sort of a year-round project to keep it all going, but especially in the summer close to the festival it just took over his life after several years Bob ended the music festival he left his church he quit being a pastor and a few years after that I had a chance to visit with Bob and he asked me Steve how were you able to sustain ministry he asked, what were your summers like? And I said, well, you know, thankfully the summers were a little lighter. Uh, that was a good thing because it gave me a, a little bit of a breather before ramping up again in the fall. He said, I never had that. Because of the festival, there was no breather anytime. He said, I was going full tilt all year long. He said, maybe if I hadn't done the festival, I'd still be a pastor. I want to tell you a truth that you probably don't want to hear. Your busyness is not a schedule problem. Right? Your busyness is not a schedule problem. It is a spiritual problem. It has to do with your relationship with God. Busyness is a spiritual problem. What are you counting on to, feel, to fill your emptiness? Activity? I mean, that's America's top idol, right? Activity? Please open your bulletin to the center there. Uh, if you can get past all those inserts, you'll see the outline for today's message. And at the top, there is our theme verse for this series. Uh, you'll see it, Romans 15, 13. And all right, you can read it there off, that, off the bulletin. But some of you are really close to having this one memorized now because we've done it for, what, six weeks in a row? So if you can do it without looking, try it as best you can here okay here we go may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. When God fills you with joy and peace, that's when you overflow with hope. Activity, activity can never fill that emptiness. Many years ago, as some of you know, I quit saying that I was busy. Don't say it. Steve, how's life going? How's your week been? How's the fall going? You'll never hear me say busy. I refuse to wear busy as a badge to, uh, of honor to describe my dedication. I refuse to make busy a mark of my self-worth. I am not busy. I belong to Jesus I am saved, I am blessed, I seek first God's kingdom. I want my life to be full with Jesus' life, and I refuse to define myself as busy. A few weeks before Easter, I started tracking my work hours. And I found out that I was working an average of 55 hours a week, about what I thought. I'm used to it. I can handle it. After Easter, it dropped to 48 hours a week, which felt a lot better. Now, I'm doing my best to stay in that range, which in October and November is a huge challenge. So, I'm praying more, but not working more. And I believe the result is better. Eugene Peterson, pastor and author, he's the guy that wrote the message paraphrase of the Bible he says that a busy pastor is a lazy pastor you're going what but I think he's on to something a a busy pastor is a lazy pastor if you're busy you are you are lazy about making decisions if you're busy you're lazy about listening to God if you're, la- if you're busy, you're lazy about letting go of responsibilities that belong to someone else. If you're busy, you're letting activity define you instead of letting Christ define you. So on the outline, there's some blanks you can fill in. Here's the first one. Receive the gift of rest. Say that with me, will you? Receive the gift of rest. When you read the Bible, you find this over and over. I mean, rest is a gift. Open it. Enjoy it. God worked six days on the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. And it wasn't because He was tired He rested because work gives value to rest and rest gives value to work. In the book of Exodus, in the Bible, the Hebrew slaves, they worked day after day after day after day, never any rest because that was the life of a slave. And if they complained, they had to do even more. But when God brought them out of Egypt, They were no longer slaves. They were no longer considered working machines. They were humans created in the image of God. And God gave them the gift of rest and called it Sabbath. It's in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it 
holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the, a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And by taking that day of rest, you will know who you are. You are no longer a slave. You are fully human, made in God's image. You know, Jesus said a lot of challenging things, didn't he? He said, take up your cross daily. Whoa. He said, you cannot serve money without becoming its slave. He said, love your enemies, pray for your persecutors, and he invited us to receive the gift of rest. In uh, Matthew 11, verse 28, that Gary read for us a little bit ago, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. He knows our tendency to be slaves. He knows we get weary and burdened. So he gives us the gift of rest. You know, I hear a lot of times people say, their, their kind of their motto is, moderation in all things, right? You hear that a lot. Moderation in all things. But my question is, who, who defines moderation? Do you ask a drinking alcoholic how to define moderation with alcohol? Do you ask a shopaholic how, how to define moderation in spending? I mean, I think it's easy for us to lose our sense of scale. Sometimes what people call moderation can be deadly. We're like the frog that jumps into the kettle and swims in the warm water over the fire, and we think everything is fine until we're cooked. So, here's the next point in the outline. We must redefine balance. Let's say that, those two words. Redefine balance. We can't assume that we know what healthy balance is. When we belong to Jesus, we have to define balance by the way He defines it. Um, here's my phone. I've had this phone for over three years. Um, I've, got a, I've got a lot of apps on it. You know, I, I like my apps. I've got uh, weather apps and running apps and news apps and my favorite, the dictionary app. I love that one. Movie apps and bank app and sports apps and Faith Westwood app and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and many more. Those apps can take over my life. Any of you know that? What we need is a God app called prayer some of you spend I think more time on social media than you do actually living life what if you took a portion a portion of your Facebook time to simply rest in God's presence look how Jesus defined balance uh, Luke 5 16 which is in your outline it says Jesus often withdrew uh, withdrew to lonely places and prayed crowds were coming from everywhere everybody was wanting to be healed uh, and, and to hear him and you know as a pastor I would say wow that's a successful ministry way to go Jesus but Jesus knew that success 
can also kill your ministry. So he got away, and he spent time alone with his father. In uh, Mark chapter 6, Jesus had just sent his disciples out to preach the word and to teach and to preach and to perform uh, healings and, and wondrous signs. And, you know, they're going, whoa, Jesus, you gave us this power. It's really awesome. We don't want to stop. And here's what Jesus says. The, or it says in Mark's gospel, the gospels gathered around, excuse me, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Isn't that amazing? Let's get out of here. Get some rest. Jesus understood balance. You'll notice on your outline there are two geometric shapes, uh, a semicircle that's kind of more like three quarters, and a triangle. Uh, Mike Breen has developed a series of what he calls life shapes, which are tools that you can use to teach the way of Jesus and disciple people. And I want you to know this is my goal for you. Not only that you would be disciples, but that you would be people who lead others to Jesus and lead them to know how to be his disciples. And a lot of people have found Mike's, Mike Breen's life shapes a helpful tool in doing that. And we're going to look at two of those today. The semicircle is about balancing the rhythms of life. The semicircle, uh, which I know that one really is kind of bad shaped. I'm sorry about that, but... Uh, the semicircle reminds us of the natural rhythm of the pendulum, okay? So think of it like that. On one side is, is work, the other side is rest. And you can write those words in right on your outline. It's the rhythm of doing and being. In the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam and Eve... They had work to do, and, and, but they also walk with God in the cool of the evening at the end of the day. Six days they work, they rest on the seventh day. You know, Jesus also said uh, that with vineyards, there are seasons of growing and seasons of pruning. Both are important if we're going to bear fruit, Right? The semicircle reminds us of the rhythms of work and rest. And so, besides work, I've heard someone say, we must distract daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. The life shape that I hear most about, though, uh, from others, and I hear this quoted here different places, uh, is the triangle, which is about... Uh, balancing and deepening our relationships. And so inside your triangle, just as you see on the screen, you can put those words up, in, and out. Mike Breen says that Jesus lived his life in three relationships, up with his heavenly Father, in with his chosen followers, and then out with the hurting world around him. 
So when you spend time alone with God in Scripture and in prayer and in fasting and in silence, that's about deepening your up relationship. When you meet with your faith walk group or you have other times when you gather with other believers and share in, in faith together and that life together, that is deepening your in relationships. The out relationships are with people who are not in a church. Many of them are hurting and searching. Uh, you know, right now I've got a couple of friends here in Omaha that, uh, that don't go to church. But they're still my friends. And I, I try to keep up with them and, and we, we do stuff together. Uh, and there are a couple more people that I've started getting acquainted with who I know don't, don't go to church. And, but I, I invest in those relationships. I want to deepen those relationships. They're my out relationships. So you see, there's got to be a balance between up, in, and out. I was at a luncheon earlier this month with people from about 40 churches across the, the, the Omaha area. And the speaker at the luncheon uh, knows Mike Breen. Uh, and uh, he talked about this triangle. So here was a, a group of, of pastors and church leaders from all over the metro, and he asked us, okay, which of these three points on the triangle are you least invested in? And he said, who here is least invested in the up relationship with God? Nobody raised their hands, or at least they weren't willing to, right? Who, he said, who here is least invested in the in relationships? And there were a few people that raised their hands. He said, who here is least invested in the out relationships with the world? And out of about maybe 100 people in the room, at least 95 raised their hands. And I was one of them. Is it any wonder then that 80% of churches in America are in plateau or decline. Even we pastors are out of balance in the relationships that we deepen. We need up, in, and out. So, once we redefine what balance looks like, then we can redraw our boundaries. If I stay so busy as a pastor and, and, you know, work really long hours, put all the energy I've got into it, you know what, I, I'm not going to have anything left for my out relationships. I may not have anything left for my up relationship. So I have to redraw my boundaries. In order to say yes to what is best, so often we must say no to what is good. Isn't that right? And don't expect this to be easy. Life isn't going to make it easy. And you know, the same thing happened to Jesus. You know, earlier we looked at that verse where it says that so many people were coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have a chance to eat. Now, that's one of my definitions of too busy. If you don't have time for lunch, that's crazy, right? The way I look at it, uh, you know, there are, I've, got a, I've got a list of things that I know. If, I, if I'm not on time for this, then I know I'm too busy. So Jesus says, all right, guys, let's get out of here. Let's get away and get some rest. 
So they get on the boat, and they sail off. Problem is, the people um, on the land can still see the boat, and so they keep walking along down the shore, keeping the track on this boat that Jesus and his disciples are in, and when the boat finally pulls up to shore, guess who's there? All that crowd of people. Can't get away from them. And it says, Jesus had compassion on them, and he began to teach them. And after a while, it's getting late, and all these thousands of people are hungry, and Jesus tells his disciples, hey, give them something to eat, will you? Go feed them. They're going, what? Jesus, you've got to be crazy. We can't feed thousands of people. But they give Jesus what, what, what they have, and he blesses it, and, and everybody gets to eat. It's a miracle. And when it's all over, then they get back in the boat, and they sail off. And I bring up this story because finding balance and redrawing those boundaries is not going to be easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Sometimes we have to be flexible. Sometimes our best laid plans have to be adjusted. You see, the goal is not a stress-free nirvana life, you know, home. Life is always in flux. So, so balance isn't something we achieve and it's just set forever. Life is fluid. That means the balance is always changing. It requires sensitivity and frequent adjustment. I believe that some of you right here today know that your life is way out of balance. It's a mess. Maybe there are some things or even apps that are taking over. Maybe instead of up, in, and out, your life is all just sort of focused in on you. Maybe you recognize that busyness and hurry are killing your soul. When you put Jesus at the center of your life, that's when balance begins. When you put Jesus at the center of your life, that's when healing begins. And maybe you're sure, well, I don't even know what balance looks like. Well, that's okay. But you know you can't keep living the way you've been living. That's what conclusion these drug dealers came up with. We, we, we know we can't continue to live this way. We need hope. Invite Jesus to be the center of your life. I mean, what have you got to lose? Your insanity? Step aside and let Him lead the way. He will be your salvation. Some of you may be feeling, oh Lord, I, I, I feel like this might be the answer. I'm, I, you're feeling drawn to that, and if you're feeling that right now, I believe that that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Drawing you in. He's calling you. He's opening your heart. So, what will you say? Now is your time. Invite Jesus to be the center. Discover life's balance. Let Him be your rest. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God,
It is an awesome thing that uh, you have called us out of our chaos and you have called us into a life of order and beauty and rest. Lord, we thank you for times of work and times of rest, for our relationships up, in, and out. And Lord, we ask that as we walk with you, teach us that we may learn this balance. We pray.